Lord in heaven, I thank you that, uh, in all seriousness, I thank you that we can wake up, draw breath this morning, and uh, Father, full of life and hope, be able to serve you. I thank you for the truths that we have been reminded of and have learned over the course of these several weeks as we've looked at the book of Romans and considered the righteousness of God revealed. Father, I pray that in our closing time together, Lord, we'd be a great encouragement to one another. I pray, Father, that you take these truths that move not just from our, not just stay in our head, but Lord, it move to our hearts and, and influence the way we live our lives and motivate what we do and how we uh, love and serve other people. Father, there are folks all around us that we're going to come in contact today and um, that, that are dying to know the message of Romans and the hope that comes from knowing Jesus Christ. Would you help us to be effective ambassadors for your gospel, for your glory and the good of others and ourselves? In Christ's name, amen. All right, well, come on in, gentlemen. Hopefully, as you walked in, you got a little, little handout. And um, I hope, you know, we, we began with uh, giving you guys a blank chart at the beginning of our time together, and I hope that's been helpful for you. Um, you know, I, I kind of liken it to, to helping you... Uh, understand how to walk through, how to take a tour of the book of Romans. When I was at uh, Baylor one semester, one summer rather, I had the opportunity to go with a group of students, none of which I knew. Um, I still look back on that and go, and how did I, how did I choose to do that? That's not like me just to go with and not um, know anyone, but I, I chose to go on this trip where I could go and it's a great deal. I could go and actually live in, in London and study with professors from Baylor. And uh, I'd go and just live in this, uh, on this campus I'd never visited before and go to this dorm. And I'd stay there for, throughout the summer, be able to travel and take classes. And so I picked up and off I went. And then when I got there, I remember that first night sitting in this cold, sterile dorm room kind of going, where am I? You know, I, I mean, when I walk through the streets, people are driving on the other side, Right. And uh, I'm not familiar with the subway system. I don't know how to get around. And um, I thought, man, this, this may be a, a long summer. But instead, it turned out to be one of my most memorable, um, fun summers of my life. And I really enjoyed it. And I started with not knowing what was even beside me, right? Not knowing how to get around, intimidated by uh, how to drive and drive on the opposite side of the road and all those things. And then learning by the end of the summer going, you know, I'm real familiar with it. I don't need a map. I, I can get you around London now. I can take you by bus, by car, subway. And, um, and it turned out to be a, a really uh, fun summer and, and something where I started not knowing much about London at all. And then at the end, I became really familiar with it. And some of you guys walked in uh, this um, fall, at the beginning of this fall, and maybe this is the first Bible study you've ever been a part of. Or maybe this is the first time you've ever systematically set, set out to study a book. Or maybe it's the first time you've ever opened up the book of Romans in particular. And so as you enter into this last week one, I just want to say way to go. And um, I appreciate your faithfulness and just hanging in there and continuing to study God's word. I think the book of Romans... <laughs> If there's one book that I would have the opportunity to sit down with somebody and walk them through, uh, it, it would be this one, for reasons that I know that Todd and others have explained up here. And, um, and what you see is, is, is our attempt to, to challenge you to come up with, through that chart we gave you at week one, is our, our attempt to give you guys a, a map. 
that you could write out at how you make your way through the book of Romans. And today you got, um, which is something that I've done. And take, take the good and, um, and leave the bad. But um, if you'll take a look at it real quick, I just want to remind you that Romans is broken up into primarily four parts, right? And you have uh, God's righteousness revealed through his judgment of sin in chapters 1 through 3. You see the righteousness of God revealed in how he redeems us through Jesus Christ and salvation in chapters 4 through 8. You see God's righteousness revealed in his relationship with Israel and his sovereign choice of Israel and what he's doing through her uh, today and in the future in 9 through 11. And and then you see the righteousness of God revealed in in a redeemed people and how they then live their lives in chapters 12 through 16. And so as we memorize at the very beginning of the year, Romans 1, 16 through 17, is, is that the theme of this book is the righteousness of God revealed. That's what Paul is trying um, to express to us. And so this morning what I'm going to do is I just want to give you a, a quick tour through the book of Romans. I want to give you a tool to use for all of Bible study. And then I want to give you a to-do. All right? So the quick tour is simply the page that you got when you... That, when you walked in, you know, it's uh, some of the things to note uh, that I think are um, noteworthy is some of the unique features you have with, within Rome, uh, Romans. You know, it's interesting that Paul never visited Rome when he, before he had written this book. Um, the logical arrangement of material that, that basically it's a question and answer format as you make your way through the book. That Paul quoted from the Old Testament more than all of his 12 other letters combined. And then you see extensive treatment on themes of sin and justification by faith, life in the Spirit, his relationship, God's relationship with Israel. And so, like I said, chapters 1 through 3, sin. 4 through 8, salvation and sanctification. Sovereignty 9 through 11, and service 12 through 16. Those are just handles to help you get your arms around the book of Romans, and what it's teaching. So you have that page, um, and hopefully that will provide a, a little tour for you and something that you can refer back to, and hopefully you can pair it to your chart. But the tool I want to give you is, is one that I think you'll find helpful, and it's so simple. Um, I don't know how many of you are fans of Jeopardy out there, but you know the whole idea of Jeopardy is, is they give you the answer, and then your job is to ask the question, right? And... Um, That actually is a very helpful way to understand your Bible. Regardless of what book you're studying, if you will um, treat the text as if that is the answer, and you've got to come up with the question. You may um, sometimes wonder, how do people remember so well where to find certain things in Scripture? Well, I'm not great at memorizing things, but what I do is I play Jeopardy. So with the book of Romans, um, for instance, what you could do is if Romans chapter 1 is the answer, you come up with the question. And what I want to do is I want to walk you through Romans by question and answer format, show you how this can be done, and challenge you whenever you are studying a passage of Scripture. I want to challenge you to do the same thing hopefully I'm going to be able to do for you this morning. And that is Ask the right questions. In chapter 1, for instance, what we, what we see is, is that Paul is speaking about 
pagan Gentiles, those who are far from God, do they have a right standing? Do they have hope to merit God's favor? That's the question that's being asked right there. And Paul answers and says, no, they don't because all of creation speaks against them. They have creation that testifies against them. And then in chapter two, the question that's being asked is, well, what about the moral man? What about the guy who goes to church every day? What about the guy who gives? What about the guy whose good outweighs the bad? What about the guy who really does give a great effort? What about him? Does he stand righteous before God? And Paul argues and says, no, his conscience testifies against him. Okay, well, then if that's true, chapter two, continuing, the next question that Paul answers is, is, well, then what about the privileged Jew, the one who is born of the nation of Israel, the one who's been given the, the, the law and all the blessings that come of being a part of the Jewish community of faith? Certainly that guy is righteous before God. He can stand righteous before God. And the answer is no. He's been given the law. So then chapter three he asked the question, well, then what do we conclude? If, if, if the pagan Gentile doesn't stand a chance, if the moral man doesn't stand a chance, if the privileged Jew doesn't stand a chance, what are we to conclude? And he says, all men are sinners. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And so beginning in chapter 3, verse 21, he then says, well, is there any hope? And the answer is, Yes, but not in the way you think it is. It's not by what you do or what you don't do. Salvation, hope, relationship with God comes through justification through faith. By placing our faith in who Jesus is and what he's done for us. So chapter one, the question is, what about the pagan Gentile? Chapter two, what about the moral man? What about the privileged Jew? Chapter three, what do we conclude? Chapter three, is there then any hope? Yes. So then he goes into chapter four, and as you read and you remember, he talks about Abraham. And the question that's being asked then is, if we're really justified by faith, then what about Abraham? Certainly, of all people, Abraham could stand on his own before a righteous, holy God. Certainly, he was justified by his works. And Paul actually says no. Abraham came before the law. He quotes Genesis 15, 6 and says that Abraham believed God and was credited to him as righteousness and makes the argument that Abraham wasn't rightly related to God because of what he did, but he was rightly related to God because of whom he trusted. He is the father of faith. So then chapter 5 answers the question then, well, what are the blessings of justification with faith? Answer, peace with God. Right? Do you, um, I have slides for this if we can jump ahead. I don't know if you guys are. So he talks about the, the, the blessings that come with justification by faith, that we have peace with God, that we're now united with Christ. So you see how this works? It's just a simple tool to give you so that I have never sat out to try to memorize the flow of Romans. But if, I, if you just ask the question, then it's so much more memorable to understand. And you can do that with every book of the Bible. And it's, what we try to do all the time, guys, is to equip you 
2 Timothy 2 talks about be diligent to present yourself as a workman who does not need to be ashamed, handling accurately the word of truth. And we want to give you a tool in which to do that. So chapter 6 then, if you're justified by faith, if it's nothing that you could do on your own, then the logical question is, and it is true, whenever you share the gospel with someone, they are going to ask you then, so are you then saying that I'm just free to live however I want? And that's the question that Paul assumes that you're going to ask in chapter 6. And the answer is, no, may it never be. Don't you know you've been baptized with Jesus? You're now dead to sin and alive to, to Christ. You're no longer a slave to sin, but you're a slave to righteousness. So then the next question would then be in chapter 7, well, what about the law? What are we to conclude about the law if we're saved by grace through faith? What about the law? And that's the question that's being asked in chapter 7. Is the law bad? And Paul says, no, it's not bad. The law's not bad. The law's good. It's holy. It points you to Christ. But it's weak in that it cannot save. So if we're not under the law, chapter 8 answers the question, how then do we live in the Spirit? And it talks about the blessings of living a life in the Spirit. That therefore, Romans 8, 1, therefore there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. It talks about how nothing separates us from the love of Christ. It talks about because Jesus was raised from the dead, we have hope, and we too will be raised from the dead. That we have hope even when facing death. So if it's true, gang, if we're saved by justification, whom we've trusted, not in what we've done, if it's true that... Um, that the law is, is not what saves us, and that we now live in the Spirit, are we then to conclude, chapter 9, that God has forgotten his promises to Israel? What about our whole Old Testament? What do we conclude? Just throw it out? Has God forgotten his promises? Has he changed his mind? Is he no longer going to fulfill what he said he would do for Abraham and, and the Israelites? And Paul in 9, 10, and 11, which is what Todd taught a couple weeks ago. He talks about Israel's past in chapter 9, what God did with Israel, what God's presently doing with Israel in chapter 10, and the future for Israel in chapter 11. What did God do in the past, chapter 9? What's God doing presently with Israel, chapter 10? Chapter 11, what is the future for Israel? And then you have in chapter 12, Beginning in verse 1, you see that therefore, in light of this great truth, in light of the fact that on our own we stand condemned before a holy, perfect, righteous God. But God, in his grace, his love, and his mercy, has made a way for us to have a relationship with him through Jesus Christ. By faith, in light of that great truth, that now new life can be found in Jesus. And we have a hope and peace with God. How are we to live? And he answers that question in 12 through 16. And much of what you prepared for today. So my hope and my prayer, gang, is, is that you will take that chart that you have worked on over these past several weeks. You'll take the chart that I gave you. You'll make one that's even better. Right? You'll have a tool that you can use um, whenever you study Scripture. Not that you have to sit out and memorize verse by verse, although that's always helpful and beneficial. But that with every book of the Bible, you could just walk through systematically just by asking, well, if that's the answer, what's the question? What is being asked here? 
All right? So that's the little simple tool. And here's the to-do I want you to do. The challenge I want to give to each of you is, in your groups today, I would love for each of you to think back on one thing in which you've learned over the course of these several weeks. Choose one thing. You could look at your chart. You could look at the chart I gave you. You could look at a verse or a passage. And I'd love for you just to, to teach that in just a few minutes what it is you've learned to those in your group. What's encouraged you? What stood out to you? What surprised you? Where's life change taking place as a result of this study in your life? And the second part of that is, I'd love for you then to share that with somebody else that you know later this week. Could be today. Anybody. It could be your coworker. It could be your wife, your brother, a friend. Because I'm firmly convinced that, um, that if you really want to know something, teach it. If you really want to learn something, teach it. Second Timothy 2, Paul says, And the things you've heard from me, these entrust to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. And gang, it would be a, a real shame if after all the weeks that we've spent together that we wouldn't have something that we couldn't then go and to offer to somebody else and say, hey, can I just share with you after studying the book of Romans with some friends, what I've learned and the significance that is and, and, made, and the difference it's made in my life. So I want to challenge you. Don't just become smarter sinners up here, right? Learning all that content, but share it. And tell others about where hope and peace with God and life is found. Amen? All right, let me pray for us. Lord in heaven, um, it has been fun over these past several weeks just to, to study the book of Romans and to do that in the context of friendships and folks who can challenge our thinking and encourage us, Lord, not just to, to know it, but to apply it to everyday lives. I pray, Lord, that um, you would help each of us, Lord, not just to, to take it in, but, Lord, that we pass it on with other folks who uh, we would engage with and share with them what we've learned and, and the difference it makes. Lord, I thank you for the commitment of these men, what you're doing in their hearts and in my heart, for the truth of your word, and most of all, I thank you for grace. How you take broken people, Lord, and by your mercy and your grace, and for reasons known only to you, Lord, you can, you can change hearts. You can provide sight to the blind and ears to hear for those who are deaf. So we thank you, Lord, for this time and ask for your blessings upon our time together. In Jesus' name, amen.